invite you to turn to the book of John in chapter 19. John in chapter 19. As you're turning there, I would say that in this week of Christ's passion, Wednesday finds our Lord finishing ministry. Having been in the temple and confounding the scholars again and contending with the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And in a short while, the page would turn and he would prepare for the Last Supper to kill the Passover with his disciples. And the Bible tells us Having loved his own that were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And there the Lord would take a basin of water and a towel, and he would kneel at the feet of his disciples and wash their feet to remind them that he that would be the greatest among you, let him be the servant of all. Of course, we know that after that, he would teach them further on the way to Gethsemane. He would talk to them about the intimacy that he wanted to enjoy with them and the comforter of God that would come. He would not leave them comfortless until finally he would make his way into the garden in a season of agony. We know that there are a number of events, and we'll talk further about those things later in the week, but we know that in the garden he was taken by the rulers of the Jews and bound and led away and taken through a series of kangaroo courts and accused, and there the rulers of the Jews, filled with hatred and jealousy, paid Witnesses, they suborned perjury against the Lord God so that he might be put to death. And he did not try to defend himself. He didn't argue. But rather he answered not a word in fulfillment of the prophecy that as a sheep before shearers is dumb, so he answered not a word. He stood before Pilate in Pilate's hall. And we read these things in John chapter 19. Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him. And the soldiers platted a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And they put on him a purple robe and said, Hail, King of the Jews! And they smote him with their hands. Pilate therefore went forth again and saith unto them, Behold, I bring him forth to you, that ye may know that I find no fault in him. Then came Jesus forth, wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate saith unto them, Behold, 
the man. When the chief priests therefore and officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him! Crucify him! Pilate saith unto them, Take ye him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and by our law he ought to die, because he made himself the Son of God. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he was the more afraid, and went again into the judgment hall, and saith unto Jesus, Whence art thou? But Jesus gave him no answer. Then saith Pilate unto him, Speakest thou not unto me? Knowest thou not that I have power to crucify thee, and have power to release thee? Jesus answered, Thou couldst have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. Therefore, he that delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin. And from thenceforth Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, saying, If thou let this man go, thou art not Caesar's friend. Whosoever maketh himself a king speaketh against Caesar. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus forth and sat down in the judgment seat in a place that is called uh, the pavement, but in the Hebrew, Gabbatha. And it was the preparation of the Passover. And about the sixth hour, he saith unto the Jews, Behold your king. But they cried out, Away with him! Away with him! Crucify him! Pilate saith unto them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, We have no king but Caesar. Then delivered he him therefore unto them to be crucified. And they took Jesus and led him away. And he bearing his cross went forth into a place called the place of a skull, which is called in the Hebrew Golgotha, where they crucified him and two other men with him on either side, one and Jesus in the midst. And Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross. And the writing was, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Lord, I pray that tonight we would not just approach the Word of God to gain academic knowledge of its facts, but might our hearts be stirred and might we see and receive the sense from the Holy Spirit that's that which you desire for us to glean. For this we pray in the lovely name of Jesus. Amen. Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Little did Pilate comprehend the reality and the veracity of that statement. 
Little did he comprehend that this one who he titled Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews, was not just the King of the Jews, but he was the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. In the Gospels, we find that Matthew's Gospel is the Gospel of the Kingdom, and it reveals to us Jesus as our King. Often there we read about Caesar Augustus, and certainly Caesar Augustus was the king when Jesus was born. It is consequential to know that Caesar Augustus was the king that ordered the slaughter of the innocents, that snuffed out the life of a generation of Jewish children, for fear that a king would be born among them. To this day, it is a mournful commemoration about the sorrow visited upon their nation by Caesar Augustus, the king. Now as Jesus is being led through this time in His life, There is a Caesar in Rome, though not Caesar Augustus, but Caesar Tiberius. Caesar Tiberius is the king that is noted for having begun crucifixions as they studied the most inhumane and cruel methods of torture and death. They found a way they thought to perfect both together, torture and death. And they began to crucify those that were sentenced to death under Caesar Tiberius. It was something to be feared for all of those that were on the other side of the law. It so happens that the psalmist of Israel, the king that will be the co-monarch with Christ in the kingdom, David, the shepherd of Israel, we find that Caesar Tiberius desecrated the the grave of David and robbed the treasure therein, thus poking the children of God in the face with his defiance and, and mocking, as it were, their hero, King David. And when Jesus was confronted with paying tribute during his earthly ministry, he made this statement after they, they fetched a, a coin from the mouth of a fish that had the insignia of Caesar. And Jesus said, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's and unto God the things that are God's. The children of Israel had a portion of, of their rulership called the Herodians and they were despised. They were looked down upon by the people of God because they had entered into allegiance with Caesar. They had sought to appease and do obeisance to Herod, the despotic ruler of that day. And hence the term Herodians. We know that the publicans also had been despised of the people of Israel because Uh, They were collecting taxes 
for the Caesars and, and they were being onerous upon the people and, and they were unfair in the amount of tax that they exacted from the people of God and the Caesars allowed it and it was something that everyone knew and yet understanding the history of Caesars and understanding all that Caesar had imposed upon them that was a burden that was too great to be borne, and understanding that throughout all their lives they were looking for a Messiah that would come and establish a kingdom and supplant Caesar and overthrow the Caesar now at a pivotal crossroads in their history. They're confronted with their Messiah and Pilate presented the Messiah God unto them, the King of the Jews. And the answer of the rulers of the Jews was this, we have no king but Caesar. Think of it. A man that was a villain and a butcher. A man who perfected torture and death by crucifixion became the one that in their moment of hatred toward Jesus, they hailed as their king. This is not so different from another moment in Israel's history. For if we go back to the early portions of the Old Testament to 1 Samuel in chapter 8, there we would find a place where the children of Israel, they rejected God as the ruler over them. They were rejecting the theocracy. And there they said to the prophet and priest in Israel, Samuel, give us a king to rule over us so that we can be like all the other nations. They wanted to be just like everybody else, and so they rejected Jehovah God as their ruler. They rejected a divine rulership in favor of of a monarchy. And when Samuel spoke with the Lord, we know that the Lord said, we'll give them what they want. I'll give them what they ask. But you tell them what that king will do. And so they gathered together and Samuel told them that that king would tax their earnings. He would take their lands. He would put their children in the military. He would make their daughters his handmaidens and his confectioners and their lives would never be the same again and anything that they held as their own would be subject to the king's discretion. And yet, they insisted, we will have a king to rule over us. In that instance, so many years before, those people demanded to have their own way. And now as Jesus stood before the judgment seat of Pilate in the place called the pavement, the rulers of the Jews chose once again not God's plan, but their own. We have no king but Caesar. The ruler that would do all of the things that the kings that sat over them would do, and worse to the tenth power, 
is the one that they said that they wanted. My friends, whenever we choose not to follow the Lordship of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, whenever we choose to seek our will instead of God's will, whenever we seek to walk a sensual and a carnal life, rejecting the impulse of the Spirit of the King, then we essentially, like the rulers and chief priests, are saying, we have no king but Caesar, meaning we will have our own way. Would to God for every person who has trusted Christ as their Savior, that the resident would be the president and that he would be the ruler of their lives. And yet, too often I find people that even having read this and understanding the history of Israel and their reject, rejection of God, Jehovah God as their King and Jesus as their Messiah, Jesus as their Messiah King, they wanted to have their own way in rejection of God's way, despite the fact that they had warnings from God. And these people already knew how terrible a king that Caesar Tiberius was. And it didn't matter. They wanted to have their own way. And so what they, what they chose was a king that would demand... You see, they didn't have any choice. From the time Jesus was born, the Caesar made demands of the people of Israel. It was even before Jesus was born, there went out a, a decree from Caesar Augustus that, that all the world should be taxed. And there they took a census, and so every man went into his own city. And, and Joseph also went into his own city, to the city of David because he was of the house and lineage of David. We know that that's where Jesus was born. But the king didn't ask them, would you like to go? Would you, do you think this would be something that you would like to do? It was a demand. They had no choice. It was compulsory upon them. And that is what this world will do. This world system will put pressures on you and temptations in your life when you choose to walk after its way until finally it makes demands of you and you surrender your will to the will of the God of this world that we have chosen to be enthroned in our hearts when we choose to reject the Lordship of Jesus in our lives. But when we do so, we choose the king that will make demands of us instead of King Jesus who makes no demands. He always gives us a choice. You see, God is a perfect gentleman. He never forces Himself on anyone. He gives us the opportunity to make a choice. The choice to come to Him. The choice to accept Him. The Bible says in John chapter 1 and, and verse number 11, He came unto His own, and His own received Him not. But as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them 
that believe on His name. For you see, He gave them a choice. And what they chose was to surrender their choices to a king that would make demands of them instead of choosing Jesus who would let them choose of their own free will, a Savior that would bestow His love upon them and then allow them in love to respond to the love that He showed them. A King that would demand. We find as well that all of the Caesars that bore rule, they chose to demand of people, but they also chose to deduct or to take from them. Boy, that's a principle that we're still familiar with today, isn't it? When you receive a a paycheck, often there's a stub there that has your deductions listed. And what we have done there is we have paid our taxes. Now, if any of us were taken aside by some political leader that had the authority to do so and, and asked, um, would you like to contribute uh, your earnings to the government or would you like not to do that? Would you like to keep that money for yourself or would you like to contribute that money? I think that, that most of us would say, you know, I think I'd like to keep that for my family. I'd like to, to keep all of what I've earned for my family and yet we don't have such a choice, do we? Often we hear the term that nothing is certain but death and taxes. It's being taken from us. You see, the king of this world, the ruler of this world is the prince and the power of this air, none other than the devil himself. And he adds nothing to you, though sometimes we think that by fleeing from King Jesus in his way that somehow our life is going to be enhanced because we know better how to order our lives than God himself does. And so what we choose is a a, a king over us that will take from us And he's a thief. And the Bible tells us of him in John chapter 8 and in John chapter 10 that where it says the thief is come, but is not come, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. But King Jesus said, but I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. You see, The ruler of this world wants to take away from you, wants to degrade you, and wants to destroy you. But Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I'll give you rest. The Bible declares to us that Jesus came to give us life eternally. For God so loved the world that He gave, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Why choose a king that only takes and never gives? Why choose a ruler that deducts from your life against your will? I'll tell you this, you may choose to go down the pathway of self-will and rule, and come under the sway of the ruler of this world. But I'll tell you this, there'll come a point in time where a portion of your life and its goods is taken from you against your will. 
because you have rejected the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Jesus wants to give you His love. In John chapter 5, we read what I think is one of the saddest places in all of the Bible found there in verse 39. Jesus said in the words written in red, Search the Scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. And ye will not come unto me that ye might have life. You see, the Lord gives a choice. He doesn't demand. He gives you a choice between life and death. He wants to give you life eternal. But the God of this world will only deduct from you, never add to you. Not only did they reject a king that would give them the freedom to choose and elected to have a king that would demand of them. And not only did they reject a king that would add riches in Christ Jesus unto them and inheritance eternal in the heavens and give them life eternal. They rejected that in favor of a king that would take from them, but they, they chose a king that would deride them. And by this what I mean is mock them to scorn, speak evil of them, and make fun of them. We think about down through the ages, every time the children of Israel were taken into captivity, that's what the kings that ruled over them did. They mocked them. I think about when they sat down by the rivers of Babylon and there they wept and, and their captors, the kings and, and rulers over them, uh, mocked them by saying, sing the songs of Zion. While they were enslaved and while they were suffering and while their children were forced into labor and, and their children were taken up from them and taught another language and as they were there laboring with the whip upon their back, their rulers would say, sing us the songs of Zion. We want to hear some laughter. Do, some, do something that we'll enjoy. And it was a mockery to those people. And what did that king do to Jesus but put a robe upon his beaten back, bloodied and beaten back, and put a crown of thorns upon his head, and put a, put a reed in his hand as though it were a scepter, and they mocked him, and on their knees they said, Hail, King of the Jews! Why? To deride him, to make fun of him, to mock him, and to speak evil of him. And I'm going to tell you this, that the God of this world will ultimately do that. If you claim to be a Christian, I'm going to tell you something. The, the world has no use for someone that's a hypocrite. They'll speak evil of you behind your back. They'll, they'll, they'll mock you and say you're one of them reborn Christians while you're trying to laugh it up and party along with them. The king of this world will find the means to poke you in the eye and make you feel worse than you are. But you know what Jesus wants to do? He wants to put a robe upon your back a ring upon your finger, shoes upon your feet, and kill the fatted calf because He loves you and He counts you as His son. 
even when for a time you chose another ruler over you. Perhaps it was self-rule. A king that would deride, this world will mock you. You know what hates Jesus? I spoke today to Dr. Gibbs and he shared with me how that there are many churches who had plans much like we have that were hoping to have people simply drive to an area and not get out of their cars and practice uh, social distancing and, and to, to come together at Easter time just to celebrate the risen Lord. And yet, the government has come down upon those and said, you can't do that. You know, a few days ago I went to Walmart. And you know, there were a lot of cars there and nobody stayed in the car. In fact, they all got out and they went inside. And when I got inside, there were so many people clogging many of the aisles that it was very difficult to practice social distancing. I wonder why it is that we have such a bias against people worshiping the Lord in this culture. Because things really haven't changed. This old world and its ruler, they despise God and they despise His people. And I can guarantee you this, if, if you choose self-rule or if you choose to follow after the ruler of this heir, one day it will come back to mock you. And there'll be woeful regret. Lastly, they, they chose a king that would damn them. Not only demand of them and deduct from them and deride them, but damn them. Put them to death. Boy, it wouldn't be too long in, in the history of these dear people that many of them would be thrown to the lions in the Colosseum by the Caesar. They would be put to death. And now they cried out and said, We have no king but Caesar. It's important to notice that even the, the laws of Moses would not permit for one of their people to be killed by the rulers of the Jews put to death during the holy days. And so they insisted that as a means of getting around their own laws, a loophole if you will. They pled with the Romans to do their dirty work for them. But make no mistake about it, those who said we have no king but Caesar chose to damn the Lord that loved them. And the reality is this, this world system will gladly pull the child of God down into the sewer. And it would gladly pull someone who does not know Jesus as their Savior down to hell. They said, we have no king but Caesar. I wonder if I were to follow you around for the next several days, and you didn't know I was watching. And I documented every decision that you made, and I listened to every word that you spoke, the choices that you made of 
what you would download and what you would view and what you would listen to and how you would spend your resources and what you might say of the people of God and how much time you might spend with the Word of God or the house of God or the will of God. I wonder if we would come to the conclusion that really you're not serving King Jesus. Perhaps it could be King Caesar, the king of this this day and this culture. It's a tragedy, really. Jesus came to save them because He loved them. And they rejected Him in favor of one who would kill them. And when we reject the will of God for our lives, we do so to our own hurt. For as much as we think we're going to live it up, we're going to have a great time, this will be wonderful, and I'm not hanging around with all of those straight-laced, Bible-thumping, reborn Christians. I'm going to go out and I'm going to live the, the vita loca, as it were. I'm going to just simply say this to you. You do so to your own hurt. The Lord says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. He said, My peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. He wants to give you peace. He wants to give you joy that will turn your sorrow and your mourning into joy. And He said, your joy no man can take from you, not even the Caesar. Would to God that as a people, we would never forget the choice made on this day to reject God, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Might we never by our lives lead anyone to think that we have no king but Caesar. Let us, as we sang earlier in the evening, crown Him the Lord of all. Jesus is the Lord of all. And when you do that, you do so to your benefit, not to your hurt. In the timeline of the week of Christ's passion, we are approaching the Last Supper at this time. He'll have that Last Supper with them and make His way under the Mount of Olives and there teach them. Going from there to Gethsemane. And in agony, cry out to the Lord. And those who followed Him there, that professed their undying love and devotion, couldn't even stay awake for an hour to pray with Him. Is it any wonder that the ones that hated Him chose Caesar? My friends, Jesus loves you more than you can imagine. Choose Him and the life that He offers. Walk in His will and His way 
so that it would be said of you, they have no king but Jesus. Father God, we pray that in Jesus' name, the truth would settle within us and that we would desire from the deepest part of our heart to enthrone You, to crown You in our life as the Lord of all. May it never be thought of us that we were serving any other king save God alone. Lord, help us in these days just in front of us to once again be filled with awe and wonder over the profound demonstration of love for us. And Lord God, we pray that we might never, ever get over the wonder of it all. For this we pray in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen.